You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa and Parma. Hi, I'm Parma and this episode is part of a special series where we interview well-known names from the K-drama fandom so we can get an understanding of the unique struggles and joys of being a fan creator. Today we are talking to someone I fangirl over <laughs> weekly and it's a true honor to have her be a guest on our show. If you haven't read her immensely popular blog, The Fangirl Verdict, then by the end of this episode, you'll definitely be checking it out. Okay, so before we jump in, as always, thank you lots to our Patreon members. You guys are our sunshine and thank you to each and every listener tuning into this episode to make this podcast fun for us. And now, let's really get to know K-Fangirl from The Fangirl Verdict. everyone this is Saya this is Anissa and this is Parma welcome to a very special episode and we have a very 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 special guest for you she is an amazing writer a very savvy blogger a well-known fandom creator who's been analyzing Korean and other Asian dramas for almost a decade now meet K-Fangirl from the Fangirl Verdict yay Yay! (laughs) thank you hi everyone hi hi (laughs) We're so excited to have you on. We are very excited to have you back. Have you back. Yes. So our (laughs) listeners don't know, but this is our second attempt um, in two years (laughs) because it's really hard to have all three of us, like the hosts, all three of us, because of our different time zones, be on a call with our guests sometimes. So just the scheduling pushed this entire thing back by a year. And our first attempt, our first attempt did not go very well because of recording <laughs> issues. But welcome back. Thank you. It's really nice to be back. We like to start at the beginning. So this is like the classic question. And for some reason, the answer is always fascinating. Do you remember your first K-drama? And how did you end up becoming sort of a regular K-drama fangirl? Oh, yes. Um, Definitely remember my first K-drama. That was in 2007. And uh, at the time, I didn't... I mean, K-drama was a thing here in Singapore, but I I wasn't in on, like, why it was great. So I was working at the time, and uh, people would come into the office with, like, DVD box sets and they would pass it to each other and say, oh, this is so good. You know, like I cried all weekend and I, you know, as an innocent bystander, did not understand the appeal of crying all weekend. And um, yeah, but one day my sister brought home the DVD box set of Gung, you know, Princess Hours. And she just announced like, this is what we're going to watch. And I was just okay, you know. And next thing I know, I'm completely sucked in. I was just, I needed more episodes. And we stayed up way past our bedtimes, like watching this. Like we would have worked the next day and it would be like 3 a.m. And we would have just ended on a cliffhanger and would look at each other like, oh, are we going to do another one? You know, and so it was very, very addictive. I, you know, loved it, flaws and all. And, you know, once you're introduced to crack, you kind of, Look some more crack <laughs> and get back. <laughs> Little did you know that your night life would never be the same. And did you cry all weekend? Um, you know, 
not all weekend, no. Uh, but like I said, these were like weeknights that we were like staying up and watching this, you know. So I would have like panda eyes the next day and maybe be a bit fuzzy brained. Um, but yeah, we made short work of Gung and I think we watched it several times. I mean, like back to back. I don't wow. think we just watched it once and moved on because it wasn't that easy to move on back then. Like we weren't aware of like online resources. There weren't actually that many online resources. Um, and so the next K-drama after Gung was my mom brought home Save Your Last Dance for me. Not even on DVD, uh-huh. mind you. It was on VCD because Whoa. at the time those were oh, being man, sold. Oh man, I remember those. <laughs> Same. <laughs> those were being sold like uh, there's a hypermart that my mom went to to do some grocery shopping and they had like a whole section where like dramas were available not just Korean ones I think that there were Taiwanese dramas and other ones as well um, but she had seen part of this show I think on TV and had liked it and so she bought it and she brought it home and we devoured it like oh, you know it was very melodramatic there was like double amnesia and it was young oh, Jisung. Yeah, I forgot about the double amnesia. <laughs> that was the drama where Jisung and Lee Bo-young met as well, yes, isn't it? Yes, yes. It's the drama where they met. But Lee Bo-young is the uh, second female lead. I did not like her as an actress then because at the time, I felt like her, her go-to expression was to hyperventilate. Like, <laughs> anytime her character was like shocked or angry or incensed or jealous, she just like hyperventilated. And it just kind of didn't seem very attractive to me it didn't seem very appealing she's come along since then she has come a long way yeah so yeah but like <laughs> also, G- I guess Jisung didn't agree with you <laughs> no I love Jisung well Jisung didn't agree with me because he's he interacted with her off camera right, right? like yeah. all I saw was the hyperventilating I'm sure he saw like that she could do more than that but yeah so that was like the second one and um I introduced it to my friends as well so I actually had a a couple of uh, friends and that group actually started growing we had I don't think I told you guys this on the last call so we had like um what we called like a k-drama club they made me president basically because I own the VCD <laughs> so, <laughs> like it. you know so we would gather on Sunday and watch like a, a bunch of episodes together as many as we could fit in into the afternoon before people had to like start going home and doing their own thing yeah so because I like I had the discs I became the president of this club and so it was really uh cute once because we were at a friend's house and she lived in this big house they were like three stories I think and so they had like tvs and players at like different stories so some friends hadn't been able to join us like before so they were kind of behind so we gave them those discs and they sent them upstairs and then like those of us who were current were like it was like a drama (laughs) cartel We just, that's how we spent our Sundays. So uh, we did Gung together and then we went on to Save Your Last Dance for me. And like the group started growing because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you're come join us. <laughs> and um, yeah, maybe that's where my drama influencer roots are, actually. I've never <laughs> thought of it. But <laughs> you were the president back then. <laughs> I love it. You know, like this is the kind of experience that I think all of us have not really had access to because we don't live in places where 
people in our community like know what K-dramas are. Even if we do come across K-drama fans, it's like by accident or like if somebody somehow finds out that I do a K-drama podcast, they're like, oh, like my niece likes those. Like I've heard of that, this weird thing or like... I posted about our racism episode on Facebook and one of my friends from grad school texted me and was like, oh, I didn't know you had a K-drama podcast. I just recently got into K-dramas. I was like, oh. Okay, <laughs> um, nice. So now yeah, so it's like your, right, your podcast. Right. But it's like you wouldn't have like a community of K-drama lovers that you mm-hmm. could like invite to your house. I mean, well, now you can't invite anyone to your house, but um, that, <laughs> that sounds really lovely true. is what I'm saying. You know, like I've tried to do that because, you know, when you have something that you love that much, you're like, this is so good. I have to share it with my friends. So I'd invite all my friends over and it'd be like, you know, there'd be tons of food and I'd be like, we're watching K-dramas. They were so not into it. Mm-hmm. It did not work once. <laughs> I just get my whole family into it, except for my brother. So I, I feel like I've succeeded in that. Yeah, that, that's really quite an accomplishment, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. For 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 our club at the time, I don't think everyone was an existing K-drama fan, but they just thought it would be fun to hang out together. And at the time, it was not as easily available as now because now there's Netflix and, you know, there's Vicky and you can... There's so many streaming options uh, that there's no real need to you know get together Mm. and watch something unless you're there purely for the company but in this case it's like if you don't come you don't get to watch this disc you know they needed their dealers (laughs) i was dealing crack (laughs) drama crack for everyone who is potentially (laughs) listening to that the wrong way Oh, I, can I just take one second to give a shout out to my friends in case they feel maligned by this? Because I hope they're listening. Um, my actual K drama friends, we do do that. We get together and we watch dramas. Except it's gotten to the point where we get together, we no longer watch dramas because we're so excited to see each other. We just talk. Aww. So that did did that ever happen to your club? Or was it always drama all the time? No, we would socialize like before and after, but we made sure. <laughs> We made sure that we watched our dramas. But, you know, like it was fun because at the time, I think most of us weren't familiar with Korean food. So I think one time uh, the girl who was hosting, she actually went out to get a couple of Korean things, including tteokbokki, which most of us hadn't tried. And so it was quite nice. It's like, oh, you know, today we're going to watch Korean drama and then we're going to have some Korean snacks. Um, So it was like a cultural experience. Full experience. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the three of us have all talked in the past about how dramas have been a source of support or comfort in some way. Do you have a story about that? Um, well, yes. Uh, honestly, I, I asked myself like whether I really wanted to talk about this. So, But I decided that in the spirit of being authentic, that I would. Um, so yeah, K-drama Kung, in fact, was... Um, something that helped me through heartbreak uh, because at the time I was just freshly back at my parents' place, um, recovering from the breakdown of my marriage. So, uh, I mean, on hindsight and looking around me, it's actually not that unusual of a situation to be in because lots of people get divorced and lots of people uh, deal with it and move on and are you know, happy, well-balanced individuals. Um, But for me at the time, it it was, 
it was never something that I imagined would happen to me. And so it really felt like my world had crumbled around me. And Gung was like an unexpected lifeline. Um, first of all, it was escapism because it's like, oh, you know, I can go into this like imaginary world where there's like a Korean modern monarchy and there's this prince and there's this contract marriage and you know it was fun and fluffy and frothy you know but at the same time uh, it was also very cathartic because in on some level I felt understood because at that point in the story where she's struggling because like he doesn't understand her or he's being cold and distant and aloof and some of the things he says are really cruel. I felt understood. Like, I felt like oh, other people go through this too, you know? And uh, and so I found myself crying at really weird moments during Kung, you know, because it was unlocking a lot of all of this, like, pent-up um, emotion that needed to be dealt with and needed to be let out. And so it was... Um, much more than just, you know, like a sisterly bonding thing where we are going to watch Gung and we're going to watch it like three times back to back. It was something that was also a very healing experience for me. And I think that made it extra special. Um, and possibly that's why I became so interested in watching more Korean dramas. I mean, most of the following dramas weren't as close to my heart because like it didn't hit me in the same raw emotional way but um you know I still still found a lot to enjoy and um whenever a, a k-drama is able to bring out some of this very the emotion that feels very organic and like I can feel like the writer's been there it 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 really I don't know. I really gravitate towards that. Yeah. So anyway, yes, that's my story. Yeah. It's interesting that like you talk about Goong in this way because I, it was not my first drama, but I watched it really early on. Like it's mm -hmm. probably in the first few months um, until this day. I think I've told you this before, but till this day, it's the only one that I've binge watched, like in the true meaning of binge watching. Like I literally, like I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. I mean, I ate, I just stopped to eat, go to the bathroom and like probably like pray. And that was it. I just kept watching. And like, I think what you say about like, for me, it wasn't um, that I could relate to the situation, but there is um, like a really pure emotion about Goong, I think that mm -hmm. really hit me. And at the time I was going through very difficult illness and like, I think for me, K-dramas allowed me to cry for something other than what I was going through when I mm. couldn't cry about what I was going through because it was like too painful for crying. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely, I mean, for me, it was a different situation, but I definitely agree with you about how like there's something about the way that it deals with emotion that is just so beautiful. And even like the music is, it's just, oh. it hits you in your heart, right? Yes. Even yeah. now, if all I need to do is just hear the opening strains of perhaps love and it's like, oh, wow, you know, that's some goong magic right there. Did you hear that they're remaking it? I don't I don't I want did. it to be remade. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know what to I don't know what to think. I don't know whether to hope, you know. 
All right, we, we can like virtually hold hands and try <laughs> one episode and see what we think. Before moving on to the next question, I want to make a slight aside. I've recently been wondering if the dramas that really hit us hard emotionally have been left behind because I have not been touched to that extent by any recent dramas. Is that the same for you guys or is it is is am I alone in this? What do you mean? I mean for instance like your beautiful gong coffee prince uh queen in huntsman all of those dramas that I started mm-hmm. off with that I spent my first few years of k drama watching with I reacted viscerally to them um mm-hmm. they all touched off uh, on feelings on um emotions that things that I hadn't thought through much but they were in the back of my mind they touched me in those ways the dramas that i watched today are actually much better written the character the characters are rounded they are fun the dialogues are better everything in every objective way dramas today are better but i'm not touched in the same way anymore <laughs> do you think it's the power of firsts like first times and the way when you come from like for us for me it would have been from western dramas and then you come and you experience this completely different approach to storytelling to the way that k-drama presents emotion to you the way that you know k-drama sort of asks you to come along for the ride mm-hmm. rather than um rather than uh, that cynical storytelling which is so sort of characteristic of anglophone tv these days do you think it's the shock of the first like oh i didn't know tv could speak to me like this i didn't know tv would know me like this that would definitely be at least part of the equation i think i think it's partly that is just how new it is and how like you know like when you first fall in love it's you know like that doesn't last but also i think i know for me part of it is i'm older now like it's been you know, 11, 12 years, I don't think I have the same reserves of emotion that I did have in my career. Let's just be honest. Like, personally, that's how I feel. Um, But also, I do occasionally find a drama that will hit me really emotionally. I think the last one was probably My Unfamiliar Family. But it is true that, like, there are certain rhythms to K-drama that don't quite have the same exact impact once you really get to know them inside out. And so now I feel like I have a different enjoyment a lot of times than the enjoyment I had back then. So it's familiarity breeding content, kind of. Not content, <laughs> but like a different kind of love. Also, like, I do feel like those 2000s dramas were more raw emotionally in some ways. That, like they might not have been sophisticated in the same way. Like but... a little less polished but in the delivery, but in in the delivery of the, the the format maybe like the how it looks to you they might not be as flashy as something you can watch these days with the massive budgets and everything but the, the emotion that they delivered was always sort of a cut above the visual that they delivered i think it also has to do with um there are so many dramas out nowadays that you have mm. to sift through a lot of not so amazing dramas to get to the really special ones and that can That's sort true. of erode your your stamina a little bit. That's <laughs> true. Like, oh, I'm kind of tired yeah. now, you know. But <laughs> I feel like every so often if something really special shows up, you know. So 
um, like for example, I went through, I mentioned this in a recent Dear K Fangirl post, and that's why it's fresh on my mind. But I remember going through like a drama slump in 2017, where it's like, mm-hmm. nothing really did it for me. Um, I eventually came back because of um, Father is Strange. But what really struck me was that it was in 2018 that My Mister came out, and My Mister was like really special. So I feel like if I had sort of like in 2017 kind of like, yeah, I'm in a slump, this is it, goodbye K-drama world, then I would have missed out, you know, on my Mister, which was an amazing show that I think everyone should watch. Um, yeah, so sometimes I think we have to be patient to wait for the really special ones to show up as well. I have one other um, suggestion of why this might be the case. Like when we started watching dramas, there was already kind of this like, established canon of good dramas and we could like there was like a huge catalog of things we could watch oh okay and now and so like there were a few that like everyone loved so you could watch those and they were really good right and now it's like we're all kind of discovering which ones are good and bad together (laughs) (laughs) because we don't have that like a slide a small side suggestion then which is to explore k-dramas from others i'm not k-dramas explore dramas from other sources because I have found, for example, like some Taiwanese dramas have been really lovely and their style is actually a lot more raw than the K-dramas, which have become a lot more polished. So that's something to explore. I have titles if you I would like love to hear your titles. <laughs> yes, I haven't watched Taiwanese dramas in a long time. Okay, this is something we will talk about. Okay, so now we dive into K-Fan Girls' fandom creator life. Okay, so... First question is, how did you start participating in the fandom? Do you remember? Like for us, I think it was, um, you know, finding sites that were recapping dramas and commenting under it. That That's how I started. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. do you remember your origin story of how you started in the fandom, like participating? Well, I don't remember all the exact sites, but I was just a total lurker, like Yes, I would like the first part of your statement was true for me too. I would look for these sites. Then I would read them and quietly walk away. Because, <laughs> because I, um, I, don't, I don't know. I just didn't. I, okay, first of all, I'm an introvert at heart. Um, most of my friends don't think that I look like an introvert or sound like an introvert. But at heart, I'm an introvert. So actually like throwing myself into a fandom and like just commenting on people's posts when I didn't actually know them or commenting on people's comments when I didn't actually know them was very weird for me. Like the idea was weird. I felt intimidated by it. So like my compromise was just read everything and pretend I was never there. You know? Koji <laughs> 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 Exactly. <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, I don't remember exactly everywhere that I looked. I definitely looked on Drama Beans. Um, and uh, I don't remember, like there were basically a number of blogs. <laughs> Did you ever read Thundee's Prattle back in the day, Kim Fair Girl? I discovered her late. So by uh. the time I discovered her, she was just about announcing that she was not going to be writing for a while. Yeah. So, but I started slowly coming out of my lurking closet 
like basically one toe at a time, you know. Uh, so I was um, one of the blogs that I used to lurk on was um, Stephanie's blog. At the time, it was called Crazy for K Drama. Um, she's eventually uh, restarted the blog and renamed it K Chat Jige. But at the time, it was Crazy for K Drama on, I think it was Blogspot, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe I'm completely off, but it was Way her blog. back in the day. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> So I do remember the first time I actually left a comment anywhere and it was on her blog. So she basically, I think it was Thanksgiving weekend was coming and she felt like, ah, you know, I have this chunk of time where I can binge a drama and she was asking for recommendations. And at the time, I was all about Queen Inhyun's man. And so I put on my brave girl shoes and I <laughs> left a comment saying something to the effect of, you know, I totally watched Queen Inhyun's Man. It's like so good. Um, I don't remember the exact words. Um, and she replied, you know, like saying that she would think about it. But also she welcomed me out of my lurking closet. And then I think uh, just making that connection gave me a little bit more boldness. So I started commenting on her uh, posts a little bit more and uh, yeah one toe at a time I just became more comfortable being out there. Isn't it so strange what makes you sort of de-luck and come out of the woodwork? <laughs> yes right yeah. like imagine if I didn't feel strongly about Queen Inhyun's man I may never have stepped out of that lurking closet I may still be lurking today then I definitely <laughs> wouldn't be having this conversation with you would I? And that would be yeah. such a loss. Yeah, <laughs> it would. I like that it's Queen Inhun's man who got you out of there. Because, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting there thinking, choice. oh, Burma's loving this. Yeah. <laughs> Is that your favorite show? Yeah, your beautiful Queen Inhun's man. Those are my top. They kind of like shift between the two sometimes, but it's generally in that order. <laughs> Both awesome. You have excellent taste. <laughs> <laughs> So from then, what made you decide to cross? I mean, de-lurking is a massive step, but to go from there to then creating your own space, what made you cross that um, border into creating the Fangirl Verdict? And do you remember what you were watching at the time? Okay, I don't remember what I was watching at the time. I mean, honestly, though, it was 2012. I was watching everything, like not everything, but a lot. <laughs> I was watching true. a lot because yeah. I wasn't blogging. So I had like so many dramas from 2012 watched because Truth. I didn't have to spend time blogging. <laughs> and so, but ironically, ironically, that's how I actually got into blogging because when is Thanksgiving? It's like usually October. Uh, November in the United States and October in Canada. Yeah. Ironically, it took me so long to deal up, right? Like it was coming up to Thanksgiving. So probably I deal up in early November, maybe late October, depending on when that post was out there. But by 12th of December, I had a blog. Like, <laughs> what, what was your very first post about? Okay, no. So the, the thing is, um, Stephanie had this idea where she wanted to invite various people to write a year in review post. Um, I think she said like she she hadn't had that much time to watch that many dramas during the year. And now that I vlog, I understand why. But, you know, at the time she, <laughs> she said, you know, she just hadn't covered that many dramas herself. And so she was, you know, inviting various readers to like, would you like to write a year in review post? And so when she reached out to me and said, you know, 
hey, I think you're entertaining and funny. Would you like to write a year in review post? I was like, oh, someone's asking me to write about K dramas. Oh, you like got a noticed. Come true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because um, uh, actually, I do enjoy writing. I have always enjoyed writing, and when I looked on blogs, in my heart, I was like, man, that looks like fun. You know, it's like, gosh, they make they they make writing about dramas look so fun and cool and interesting. But I just, it never occurred to me to start a blog and do it too. You know, so when she invited me to actually write a guest post, I was, yes, sure, why not? You know, it's like, I've deluxed anyway. So, um, <laughs> There's no going back now. <laughs> I love how all or nothing you are. You're like, now that I've written one comment, that's it. <laughs> Time to start a blog. <laughs> no, okay, so it wasn't, it wasn't until like, so I said yes. And then I, you know, I was supposed to like write this post. In the meantime, though, in one of her emails, Stephanie just happened to say, oh, by the way, do you have a blog? Because if you do, I'll introduce you with it. And I was like, oh, that's an idea. Oh, I, could, I don't, but I need one, right? I, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, that's an idea. I guess I could make one, you know, and so... You're like, I do so now. I do now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I just decided, yeah, sure, you know, I'll just make one. And I uh, got on Blogspot um, and poked around and wrote a few short reviews of some of the shows that I had seen in 2012. Um, and then soon after poking around blog, Blogspot, I decided I wanted to try WordPress. And then quite quickly, I decided that WordPress was somehow easier or better or mm, yeah back then yeah. I remember that the, the the sort of idea of blogging was that blogspot was for noobs and if you were wordpress you were like legit oh it's real and of course these right? days the young people look down on wordpress as well so you well, know. I mean that's true but you know at the time I didn't know that I just felt like wordpress worked better because I was poking around both I started with blogspot but I started poking around wordpress quite soon after and so at one point, I kind of like created two blogs that looked, that was made up the same content, but kind of looked different. And I was realizing mm -hmm. that, you know, for one thing, Blogspot isn't smart enough to not count my own views. So <laughs> yeah. You know, like it just kept counting my views. And I mean, maybe for but that's some good people, for your stats. You know, that's one way of looking at it, right? But it didn't occur to me. I just thought, like, this is inaccurate. Like, I don't want to know how many times I've seen my blog. I want to know how many that's times. That's such a nerdy reason I've... for changing. <laughs> I love it. I, love I, know. it. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd. <laughs> Oh, we're all I, nerds. You're among friends here. Can I ask you one question sort of a little bit interrelated? Well, no, actually, it's entirely related. How has the reality of blogging held up to how you imagined it would be or how you thought it would be now, Ooh, eight years on? That's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have had my ups and downs with blogging, to be honest. I mean, it's been eight years and a bit and so every once in a while I have an existential crisis like <laughs> what am I doing do I still want to be doing this where am I going with this you know like I've been doing this for so long isn't it about time that I retire maybe you know so I occasionally have like an existential crisis but I've uh, always eventually gone back I mean judging from the fact that we're having this conversation I've always eventually gone back and um well, I 
I think it's because I enjoy it enough to go back. And part of the reason I go back is because of my readers. I feel like I feel like I would be letting them down if I just suddenly just announced my retirement. Um, uh, but I, it is a lot more work than I ever imagined it would be. But I also have learned a lot more stuff than I ever imagined I would learn. So it's, um, yeah. And also what makes you a little bit um, unusual to, compared to some of the other sites is that you're the single voice behind your entire website. Like it's all you. If there's no you, there's no site, right? How? What kind of burden? D- does that feel like a burden to you sometimes? Like, like you say, you feel like you're letting your readers down and... Like, how do you deal with that side of managing expectations of blogging, I guess? Well, I'm very fortunate that my readers are actually very understanding. So I've actually had people write to me and say, you know, you don't have to work so hard. It's okay. We understand. (laughs) So, for example, um, I think last May, before last May, I was putting out maybe four posts a month. You know, and then in May, when I that was when I got on Patreon, I suddenly started putting out more posts. And I actually had a couple of people write to me and say, it's okay. You don't have to push yourself this hard. You know, it's okay. We understand. Just take care of yourself. And I thought that was really, really kind, um, which all the more makes me feel like I don't want to let them down, you know. Um, <laughs> but you do have really amazing and lovely readers, mm, I have to say. I do. Yeah. I do. And I guess that's part of the benefit of being the queen of your site and your empire, which is that you're a person to people, right? You're not a, a faceless machine producing reviews on demand. No, I'm a blue-haired, blue-haired girl machine. It's <laughs> <laughs> not faceless. What are you talking about? But speaking of the avatar, what's the story behind your name of K-Fangirl? Like, is there, what was the process for you coming up with that? Oh, it wasn't much of a process at all. I was, I don't know, I was signing up to some random drama site and they asked me to choose a screen name and an avatar. And I didn't have one. And at the time, I only watched K-dramas and I was a total fangirl. And I just felt like K-Fangirl, but G-I-R-L, I just felt like, yeah, that's me. That's what I am. So I put that down. Um, and then eventually when I, and when I started the, the, the Blogspot blog, it was still K-Fangirl with an I. But when I tried to <laughs> get in on WordPress, they told me that that wasn't available. And I was like, damn, how do I find it? How do I, how do I find like a brand yeah. new name now? You know, like I've already gotten used to K-Fangirl. And then I was like, huh, I'll just change the I to a U. So <laughs> that you makes all the difference it really can I does. say yeah it gives us so much more personality like the cuteness quotient just like leaps and yeah so much personality and oh. that reminds me of like when we decided to change our name to dramas over flowers and then we realized the dot com was gone <laughs> really? didn't work out for us <laughs> Yeah, so we stuck with .NET. But really, I mean, there is no way that there is a gay fan girl with an I out there who is better known or loved than you. So, boom. Aww. You won. You make so <laughs> the difference. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've used the, the K-Frangle with you for so long that, I mean, I've grown very attached to it. But I You mean, don't even want the I anymore. <laughs> no, that's right. I don't even want the I anymore. But, you know, in the first place, I actually didn't know that I wanted the U. 
<laughs> you know? K-drama's revealed your no heart to yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, actually, uh, the, it's it's how, okay, so a lot of the things to do with the blog and how I choose like names and things like that, it's all very, it's not that well thought out, honestly. Like when I started the blog, um, so when I was on Blogspot, it was The Verdict. And I thought that was a nice name because I wanted the blog to be reviews driven. And so The Verdict sounded relevant. But WordPress says that's not available. I was like, dang, what do I do now? So, all right. <laughs> 60 seconds later, the fangle verdict. <laughs> I love how you come across these like genius names totally by accident because your original idea was taken. They're so good. It forces creativity, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but her creativity is instant. Like we would be paralyzed. We'd yeah. be like, what do we do? So- we'd be like, what should we do? <laughs> Well, see, that's the thing. I didn't have to discuss it with anyone, right? Like, I didn't have, like, you know, um, co-bloggers that I said, oh, we need to discuss this. I mean, once you have someone to discuss it with, naturally, the process becomes Mm. longer and you have Mm, to give each other time to think. But I was the only one blogging. And plus, I honestly didn't think I'd be blogging for this long. Uh, To me, it was like, oh, this is an experiment. You know, Stephanie asked if I have a blog, so I'll make one. And when I get tired of blogging, that'll be the end of it you know so it didn't seem like a very high stakes decision (laughs) so like sure k-fangle with a u it's like oh well sure the fangle verdict there we go set it's available since we're talking about creating your identity and you know defining your spaces what made you choose your your avatar is so distinctive and honestly every time I see it I feel a little burst of joy where did that come from is that original is that a character from something else what made you choose it I wish I could say it was original you know but like (laughs) I'm not that good at drawing uh it's not my forte so um so yeah it's another one of those (laughs) accidental things um so <laughs> when I was um signing up at that first site which wanted me to have a screen name and an avatar an avatar and I chose Fangle with an I so it's like all right now I need a girl since I said I'm Fangle. so I went and just kind of I don't know I think I googled cartoon girls or something you know and then I saw this cartoon girl with blue hair I mean, not my current avatar, but she had blue hair and she looked kind of sweet and demure and she was kind of like looking out of the side of her eye. And I thought, hey, I kind of like her. I'll, you know, I'll make her my avatar. And so when I went to Blogspot, used her too. When I went to WordPress, used her too. And then somewhere along the line, about maybe a year or two later, one of my online friends said, hey, um, I was in YouTube on some K-drama thing and I saw someone leave a comment and I said, hey, it's K-Fangirl. And then it turned out to be someone else. And I was like, dang, someone's using that too? Well, I don't want to twin with somebody that I don't know. So, you know, I decided I needed a new avatar, but um, she had to have blue hair because everyone already thought of me as someone with blue hair because it had already been a year or two. So I this time went to Google and asked for blue haired girl. And um, out of the various blue haired girls that showed up, I liked my current avatar the most. And so I picked her. I had no idea like what she was. I just liked her look. So I picked her. And then later, on hindsight, I realized that she's actually um, 
some like she's actually the face of a Japanese Vocaloid software voice bank. Like her name is Hatsune Miku, or you know some people flip it around and call her Miku Hatsune. But um, turns out she's a lot more popular than I actually ever imagined. Um, she's got wigs out there for people who want to <laughs> buy Do you her have hair. One? No. <laughs> Oh, damn. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Please Why don't. Not? Please don't expect me. <laughs> you know, she's, she's she's. So there's like a cosplay culture around her as Apparently, well. Apparently, there's a cosplay culture around Hatsune Miku. Wow. And um, so yeah, she's much more popular than I realized. And so I realized at this, you know. As an extension of her popularity, there are lots of different pictures of her. She's wearing different outfits. She's doing different poses. And I was like, this is great. I'll just, you know, borrow one of her, you know, pictures whenever I feel the need to illustrate my feelings about something, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not a premeditated thing. It just happened in a genius way. It just happened that way. <laughs> exactly. So you got your blue haired cartoon girl, and now you are K fan girl. But so we associate anything that starts with K, and you have you started the blog talking about Korean dramas. Mm-hmm. Your name has that K right in front of it. Mm-hmm. But you don't just write about Korean dramas, right? We know you like Taiwanese dramas. We already spoke about that. So what other dramas you cover on your blog? And when did you start expanding into them? Oh, I remember the exact moment I expanded. It was 2015. And I just watched Nirvana and Fire. Oh! Um, <laughs> and I wasn't even planning to watch it, you know. But I just, you know, I have good friends who insist on you know, me watching certain dramas that are really excellent. So um, I think it was Elena who really worked hard to persuade me to give Nirvana and Fire a look. And so after she, at the time she was still blogging, so after she did a blog post that included like MVs from the video, I mean from the show, um, I watched it and I was like, oh wow, that actually looks pretty interesting. So I watched it and I got sucked in. It was amazing. And 54 episodes later, I was like, man, this is so good that it's worth sort of going off topic for, you know? It's like, I know I decided that this blog was going to be about Korean stuff, but, you know, when when you're friends with people and you come across something amazing, they don't mind that you go off topic to tell them about it. And so that was the spirit in which I wrote a review for Nirvana and Fire. It's like, okay, friends, I know this is not Korean dramas, but this is amazing. So I just want to tell you about it because that's what friends do. And, and then after that, it just kind of evolved from there, I guess, because the response to that review was very positive. I mean, some people went out and watched it because I wrote about it and to date have watched it nine times. One of my wow. readers told me that she's watched it nine times and she said she would have never found it if I didn't write about it. So, yeah, that makes me very happy because, you know, it could have gone either way. I could have been like a real stickler for like, you know, you have this K in your name. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> But yeah, it worked out. And so um, I decided to watch my Chinese dramas because Nirvana and Fire was the first time in my life that I actually was 
blown away by how beautiful Mandarin sounded. You know, like, <clears throat> I don't know if I told you, told you all about it, like, before, but <clears throat> growing up and taking Mandarin lessons was a very painful experience for me. I cried many tears because Chinese is like a really difficult language. There's no alphabet. There's no, like, phonetics. You just memorize, like, there's no way to, like, guess how you pronounce a word. You just remember it, you know? And so if you need to know a thousand words, you have to memorize a thousand of them. And even if one looks similar to the other, they may not sound anything alike or mean anything remotely similar. So I cried a lot <laughs> because um, my family doesn't speak Mandarin at home. And so I didn't have the advantage of uh, language immersion at home. And at the time, television was not considered a good way to improve your language skills. And so I was, you know, told, don't watch so much TV, do your homework. And it was, <laughs> it was <course>. so hard. <laughs> it was I think we're hard. all testaments to the fact that television <laughs> actually really improves your language skills. <laughs> I swear by it, I tell you. I mean, like, my Chinese has improved so much ever since I decided that I would watch more Chinese dramas. And, you know, any and all Korean that I know and understand is from watching dramas. And any Japanese that I can retain is actually because I watch a few Japanese dramas from time to time. So, yeah, dramas, you don't just waste time watching them. You know, you hone your language skills. That's the real purpose. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we can tell skeptics. I learned three new languages from this. <laughs> <laughs> interesting what you say about Japanese that you retain because do you think there's something about Korean that lends itself more easily or uh, Mandarin as well that lends itself more easily to sort of sticking in your mind rather than Japanese because I've okay. watched Japanese stuff for like longer than I've watched Korean things but I have not been able to sort of internalize Japanese the way I did Korean almost instantly I think it's a bit confusing when you put Korean and Japanese side by side because they are, they are words that sound similar, but are there are small distinctions in the way that they're pronounced. You know, like, so I think in Korean, tonkatsu, but then in Japanese, it's more crisp, tonkatsu, you know, something like that. But I have a slight advantage because I took Japanese lessons for two years when I was in school. And... I mean, I sucked at Japanese lessons, let me be clear, you know, like I, I was supposed to take four years, but at the, at the beginning of the third year, the sensei made this announcement to the class, you know, like for the first two years, she used English to teach us. And I was like, okay, plugging along. At the beginning of the, the, the third year, she made this announcement saying, okay, everybody, this year, starting now, I will only speak to you in Japanese. That was the beginning of the end for me because, like, she would call on me and I would stand up and I'd be like, You'd What panic. does she want? Right. <laughs> I don't know what she's saying. Oh, and so I stuck, stuck out the pure Japanese lessons for like three months and then I was like, I can't do this and I quit. So then it was many years of not having any exposure to Japanese, but like watching Japanese dramas did bring some of these things back to me. Yeah. Mm, but going back to your other question, I think that knowing Chinese is a huge advantage to retaining vocabulary in both Korean and Japanese because there's a lot of similarities, um, root words, 
that come from Chinese, and it helps if. So I have an unfair advantage because here in Singapore we have various Chinese dialects which are commonly spoken, and so if you have heard the words in different Chinese dialects, then it's easier for you to make a brain connection when you actually hear a form of it in Korean. So, so for example, in Korean, kido is prey in Korean, right? But uh, in Mandarin, it sounds different. In Mandarin, it's qi dao. But in Hokkien, which is a Chinese uh, dialect, it's qi dou, which is practically identical. So, you know, the fact that I'm here in Singapore where there's all these like Chinese dialects that are commonly spoken, it's turned into an unexpected advantage. It's like, oh, hey, I know that word, you know, and then I just remember it more easily than someone who's coming in cold. So it's an unfair advantage. I apologize wow, to everyone. That is like, so yeah. interesting. That's very <laughs> cool. You said that you didn't grow up speaking Mandarin in your home. Mm-hmm. Did you speak uh, like a different Chinese dialect or are you a native English speaker? Like what? what's your relationship with those dialects? That's if you don't mind question. me asking. Um, so my paternal grandmother only spoke Cantonese. So Cantonese is a Chinese dialect that Hong Kong speaks. Mm. So um, that was the first language that I learned because she was the one who took care of me while my parents went to work. And so I only spoke Cantonese. So the first time I was sent to school, I think it was play school. So something like nursery. I couldn't understand anyone. I came home crying and I refused to go back because I only spoke Cantonese. What did they speak in the nursery? English. So I came home and my mom started teaching me English. (laughs) And English has actually become my first language because it's the language we speak at home. Because my father is Cantonese and my mother is Teochew. And um, my mom didn't didn't have the opportunity to learn Mandarin in a, with a good teacher in school, so she failed spectacularly in Mandarin. So that's not an option. And so, so I grew you're in up. good company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I speak English at home now, uh, but the grounding in Cantonese has been useful because up to before the pandemic, I used to fly to Hong Kong for work and Hong Kong speaks Cantonese. So it was just useful to, you know, be able to understand at least partially what people were saying to me. I say partially because the speed at which at which Cantonese is spoken in Singapore is like way slower than the speed at which they speak it in Hong Kong. Mm. And so they go like, it was terrible for me because it's like, I would be able to say something and they'd be like, aha, you understand Cantonese. And they start speaking to me so fast. And like, I start to see stars really quickly. And then I feel really bad because I it's false advertising. Yeah, especially because like, the language that you use for work is so different from like what you would have spoken with your grandmother at home, right? It's exactly, like on a totally you know, different like, level. Yeah, you don't, you, I mean, you don't use that kind of vocabulary at work either. Like, why would you? Have you eaten? You know, exactly. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I often feel like the speed at which people uh, speak the same language can sometimes be like, weirdly, a function of the climate that you live in. For example, I find in really hot countries, they speak slower. And then like... In, in terms of um, like Arabic um, and a couple of other languages that I cannot 
pick off the top of my head right now. But I've experienced that not only do they live slower, they speak slower, but then you go to like a like a highly urbanized environment or a cold place, they speak fast. And mm. I wonder, I don't know if that's a thing, but I, I just thought of that as you were speaking. Well, it is hot here, so maybe that's why we speak slow. <laughs> maybe. What's the weather like in Hong Kong? They actually have four seasons and we don't. So, but their winters are really mild and but the summers are hot but usually so usually if I'm traveling from Singapore to Hong Kong I would know that if it's hot here it'll be hot there and if it's summer but it'll just be a little bit less hot compared to Singapore because we are nearer the equator mm. yeah so you know I, I would arrive there and people would be like oh it's so hot and I'll be like it's not that bad because <laughs> for you it was cooler <laughs> because for me it was actually a slight improvement you know yeah. it's like I actually came from somewhere hotter it's hot here all relative so yeah, moving but, on you know. to a much less pleasant topic um so a few years ago you experienced someone stealing your content and making a copycat blog um, oh, yeah. How did you deal with that? That sounds really upsetting. Well, you know, I've come to accept that several times a year, at least on average, that people are stealing my stuff. So it's not oh just gosh. a couple of years ago. It's actually every year. Oh, okay. A couple so this of times is, I guess, year, just we knew about it, that it happened a few years ago. It isn't always the case that someone creates a whole blog stealing only my posts but generally speaking it'll be posts that are stolen and posted as someone else's supposed original when actually mine is the original yeah and they will steal entire reviews and you know that some of my reviews are quite monstrous you know like I have some really long reviews they just take the whole thing you know and they just repost it so what I've learned is I have I mean there are certain steps that I have to take in order to deal with it. So the first thing is I have to reach out to the blogger themselves. So I usually leave a comment on each offending post and say, this is my content that you have posted without my permission, please take it down. Or I will be forced to serve you a DMCA takedown notice. Um, and it is only after a few attempts of not getting a response from the blogger that then I'm supposed to like take it up with their blog host. So then I have to like track down who their blog host is and then contact the blog host and tell them that this blog that is on your platform stealing my stuff, you know, and, you know, uh, I have, you know, I, I did once actually get to the point of submitting a DMCA takedown notice. Um, it's a real hassle. But so far, I mean, most people have eventually taken it down at some point. Um, and sometimes instead of taking it down, they just turn their blog private. Mm. So I can't tell whether they've taken it down. But that also means that other people can't see that they've stolen my stuff. So, well, you know, good enough. Um, yeah, are these individuals understand. or are they like content scrapers like those automated um, I think most individuals, but I did... I think I have at least one, which was not an individual. It's one of those like junky websites that steals from everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for on that one, I actually noticed there were other K-drama bloggers whose stuff was stolen. And so like I would, um, you know, contact those that I actually knew and say, hey, you, you need to look into this. Like your stuff is out there on someone else's website. 
That's so infuriating that you not only did they steal your stuff, then you have to like expend all this effort tracking Mm -hmm. them down and like telling them to stop. And oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it it gets old pretty fast. And Mm -hmm. so whenever something like this happens, I'm like, ah, not again. I have to go chase people. It's not just like like the outcome of it isn't just that it's like an intellectual property issue it's also that it results in lost revenue for you for example you know those views that Mm -hmm. are landing on someone else's blog is not landing on yours so a lot of people often don't realize that right but i that wasn't a question most of most of of these um people who steal i've noticed that they don't seem they don't appear to have a lot of traffic on their blog as in, well, I don't see a lot of engagement. I, like, I don't see comments. Mine is usually only comments saying, this is my review. Can you please take it down? Um, <laughs> so, it, And I make it a point not to publicize the addresses. So other people have actually said, hey, you know, tell us who this person is and we will go and harass them for you. Then they get and, views. Exactly. So I was like, no, I don't want to tell, tell you who they are because I don't want them to get attention for stealing my stuff right because yeah. even bad publicity is publicity exactly right? yeah but unfortunately that means that I just kind of plug away at like threatening them by myself and you know looking for what happens if you were to let it go like is it an option to just let it go I guess it is but it's uncomfortable thinking about it yeah, I came across, there. I came across, I was looking for something else the other day and I came across a content scraper that had my writing on it. And I was like, <laughs> and this is like from years ago. And it, you do, it's a bad feeling when you see something you've written for someone else in this completely random place. And they don't bother taking out things like, you know, um, the very personal remarks and the names mm-hmm. and the identifying comments. And you're just like, like at what? least try harder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> so what did you do? Like, did you... I mean, it's not my site. So I just decided it wasn't my problem. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's not a very good way to approach <laughs> things. <laughs> no, but I can understand that you feel that it's not... Um, your intellectual property to mm. uh, defend because you wrote it for someone else. And so in, in writing it for someone else, you're kind of giving them... Like, I that, don't own that. Yeah, you're giving I've, them the Though IT. I wrote it, I don't own it, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so I understand And I don't that. have a legal team. <laughs> no, I, I don't have a legal team either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, of course, course, I'm, I'm, I'm just so we're yeah. clear. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I meant the, the writing that um, that I saw elsewhere, that they, they have their own corporate people going, so they don't need me to point out their content scrapers. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just going off topic there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, um, well, the actually the main reason that I know that people steal my stuff is because I am very conscientious about linking uh, interlinking stuff Uh, on my own site. So if I make reference to another drama that I've written about, I link it to that review. And so when it gets republished, all the pingbacks come back to me. Oh, so that's that's really interesting. Yeah, so I'm like, hey, that's a pingback. So they're telling on themselves. I know, because they did such a poor job, right? Because they didn't actually (laughs) go through like stuff to remove. So then I'll be like, why am I getting pingbacks? And so when I click, uh, it will, you know, tell you where the pingback's coming from. So when you click on it, it'll take you to the post that 
is basically the stolen version of your if of of the original post. So I mean, I didn't start embedding all my you know links for that reason, but it's turned out to be a very useful thing to do for this. It's case like of- the trap streets you get in maps, right? <laughs> <laughs> Like the road that doesn't exist. So that's how like map makers would know if someone had stolen their map would be like, because Ah. that fake street that they put in as like a really secret identifier, it's not actually a street in real life. But you know that someone stole your map if that that trap street is still printed in there. Because oh. you did that. No That's idea not real. They did that. I didn't know that was it's a thing. So yeah. oh. Oh, oh, really? Okay, I'm the only map nerd here. Bias dropping all <laughs> kinds of interesting knowledge here. <laughs> so this this tendency of people stealing your content, um, I can imagine somebody not having uh, the ability to write, create their own original content, seeing your stuff and deciding, hey, maybe I'll just take that and put that on my blog. And for some reason, they think that is going to get them views. But it, as we have already covered, they don't have views, they don't have comments, so it's clearly not working. Whereas your blog has been growing fast and you have been writing so much over the last year. So... Like, what triggered that? What triggered this? Because I used to wait for your posts and they would come out um, a few times a month. And then I think sometime in last year, every other day I was getting notifications for a new post and I loved it. But what happened? What triggered this? And it's amazing. Please continue doing it unless you're tired. But like, what triggered this? Okay, so it's not overkill. Just checking. (laughs) (laughs) It will never be overkill, except that like your readers, we will be concerned about you. That's all. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, the pandemic happened, basically. So work got put on hold. It's still on hold right now. I have no clue whether it will ever come back because the work that I was doing was like purely all in Hong Kong and um, travel is such a big question mark Mm -hmm. right now. And it's a risk as well, you know, so I don't know if I actually want to risk getting COVID just to go do a job in Hong Kong. So I don't really know whether work's going to ever get back to normal, but you know, I actually wondered to myself, like, so what do I do? You know? Uh, And I thought, um, well, I like to write. Should I write stuff? And then it occurred to me, like, duh, you're already writing stuff, girl. You know? <laughs> no, honestly, I had this conversation myself because I thought, you know, what skills do I have? Um, when I go to Hong Kong, I conduct workshops. But, you know, now that's not really a thing that people really want to do because um, it's a pandemic. Like, why do people want to gather in a room together for extended periods of time? And, uh, you know... So I thought, you know, yeah, I like writing. And I think I do a pre- pretty decent job of it. What can I write about? <laughs> long, long pauses later. Yeah, like like, after 10 years of blogging, that you're like thinking about this. <laughs> and then I was like, duh, you're already writing about dramas. Just do more of that, right? And I was like, okay, right? That 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 could be a thing. We could try that. And so <laughs> After already doing it for like seven years, yeah. No, because I was doing it like as a as a passion thing, you know, it's like on top of work. So that's why, as Parma mentioned, like I post a couple of times a month and that would be it because that's what I was able to do. But now with no work 
to <laughs> prevent me from losing myself in blogging, um, I was like, okay, we, let's try this. I mean, I've been blogging long enough to have at least some people who believe in me. So let's see whether the blog can become a full-time viable source of income. So that's why suddenly I have so many posts because I'm just kind of testing this out. Can I blog full-time? Uh, do people want me to blog full-time? Is there a way to make enough income to support myself by doing this full-time? It's still a <laughs> experiment in progress because it's, 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 it's not a proper income yet, but it is helping to pay some of my bills more than before I started monetizing the blog. So, you know, from zero, it's, it's, it's something and I value it. I just, it's not quite something that I can say, definitely I can do this full time because at this moment, uh, it's only defraying my living expenses, not actually covering them. So that was the trigger. Uh, I thought more frequent posts, it's one of the ways to increase blog traffic as well, because then I offer a variety of posts to people. It's not everyone's interested in the same thing. Um, and also one thing that I learned after allowing ads on the blog is that the more frequently you post, the more attractive you are to advertisers. I'm still not attractive to advertisers. To <laughs> when they say attractive to advertisers, they don't mean one post every four days or four posts a week. They are talking about like maybe six posts a day. Wow. One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, okay. That's the kind of that's the kind of frequency that is attractive to advertisers. And that's something that I learned after allowing ads on the blog. But you know, from four times a month to four times a week, I think that's 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 a decent That's an acceleration. That's incredibly <laughs> that's prolific. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah, so I I choose to be content with that frequency right now. <laughs> I don't think I could get any more frequent than that, honestly. You have increased your output and you have maintained your quality. Like Every mm -hmm. single post of yours that I read, I, I never feel like, hey, this one was rushed. It's, it never feels like that. So mm -hmm. if, if this is if you feel like this is your stride, my God, you are gifted. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, like, from a writer's point of view, when I read your work, I can feel a lightness in it that makes it very easy to read. Mm. And, yeah, like, it never, <laughs> it never feels like, I don't know how to describe this. Okay, I'll describe it from, like, from the point of view of how I write, which is incredibly belabored. Like, I can't finish, I'll start something and it will drag for, like, six months while I try to figure out how to finish it because it's so dense and I'm, like... I'm a bad writer in that way. So like when I read your writing, I just feel an incredible lightness of there's so much substance in it. There's this wonderful readability, but also I don't feel belabored by reading it. And I think that's one of the things that makes your work so appealing is that you may write a really long review, but it never feels like I've been staring at a screen for 10 minutes. When actually you've been staring at it for 30 <laughs> Because that's what people tell me. They tell me that it takes 30 minutes for, for one of my reviews. <laughs> Especially if you then read all the comments. Right? Like, it's, that's the enjoyment of your writing is that you really, um, you have you give such a lovely, loving and like detailed treatment to each of these dramas. And I don't think I've ever seen that anywhere else. It's, it's just, it's such a beautiful experience. You kind of feel like you relive the show again. 
you know, in the review, which I love. And like the format of it is also, it's a very specific format. I don't think I've ever seen anyone else do that format. How did you come up with a format uh, and a structure that you do have like for your reviews and the various types of reviews and then the writing that you do outside of the reviews? That just evolved, honestly. (laughs) So when I started blogging in 2012, the reviews were pretty short. And there was a specific time where I actually managed four reviews, four short reviews in a week. And I was like, man, I'm exhausted. And (laughs) I decided I don't need to suffer in order to have a blog. So I'm not doing this for four reviews a week anymore. (laughs) I just told you that I'm posting four times a week. (laughs) But at the time, I didn't really have much of a structure at all. All I knew was I wanted a short verdict, a long verdict, and a final verdict because it was catchy for one. And for another, I felt like it was it served both people who haven't hadn't seen the show and people who had. So if you haven't seen the show, the short verdict will be enough. To, it was to the non-spoiler part, which I love yeah, because I usually part. haven't watched anything and I just want to get an idea of what you think, uh, but I don't want spoilers. So I'm like, I can read that part. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the whole idea. So, um, so that's where I started. I was like, okay, I like the sound of this. The short verdict, long verdict, the final verdict, right? So if you haven't seen it, you can look at the short verdict and the final verdict and then decide. You know, and if you have seen it, then read the long verdict. Maybe we have, we'll have stuff to talk about, right? So that was where I started. I didn't have a final grade. That was actually a suggestion by a reader several years in, honestly. It was, um, I don't know, at least three or four years in. And someone actually left a comment saying, you know, what I would really like is to be able to look at your full list of shows and be able to just tell by looking at that list what you think about it. Like if you have some kind of rating, then I would know whether to go check out a show. And then after I've seen a show, then I'll go back and read your review. So I was like, huh, a rating system. I guess I could do that. And so I decided that I would do A, B, C, and D, D for dropped, you know, or for dream high too. Um, (laughs) Much much deserved. (laughs) It's the, it's the only show on the blog that has a D that I didn't drop. So <laughs> that was like a literal statement. Um, so, uh, and I decided that I could do two pluses and one minus. And I kind of decided what makes an A, what makes a B, what makes a C. And then I went back and rated everything that I had already written. <laughs> because, wow. because I just couldn't bear the thought of having it like partially rated and partially non-rated. So I, I went back and rated everything and then started rating everything going forward. And then like along the way, so in 2013, I went through this perfectionist phase. It was awful. <laughs> I love that it's a phase. <laughs> How do you get out of it then? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Well, I, <laughs> I'm laughing so hard I couldn't finish the request. <laughs> I um, I realized that I was suffering so much from spending so much time on a single review. I mean, I spent I think a good full week on Gaxita, and that was like not not just a couple of hours a day. It's like every waking moment for a week. 
was spent mm. on one review. Oh my gosh. For and you don't even watch dramas in the meantime. You're just like... Absolutely. So I was like, this, this, like, by the time I reached the end of 2013, I realized this is not this is not working very well because number one, I have so few dramas completed for 2013. What kind of a drama blogger watches so little drama, right? And then also it's like, wow, <laughs> that was a lot of labor <laughs> for a few drama reviews. <laughs> So I um, I started evolving the reviews slowly. Yeah, eventually I um, so I you you might have noticed that I had these spoiler sections for. I love those spoiler sections. I love <laughs> the them key up. characters. <laughs> really, <laughs> thank you. So the spoiler sections uh, used to be like actual paragraph form, you know. So then I would refer to like I would actually have like a train of thought from paragraph to paragraph. And it honestly, it was quite effortful. Paragraphs are hard. Yes, right? they're hard. They're so hard. <laughs> and I uh, sometimes, sometimes I found myself like just taking a lazier way out, which would be bullet, bullet points. points. You know, like <laughs> episode six. And then the, here's what I want to say. And then episode seven, here's what I want to say. And I thought people wouldn't like that. But I was like, I'm too tired and I can't do more than this. Surprisingly, my readers were like, I love these bullet points. Can you do more? You know, like it's so easy to look up scenes and where they are if I want to revisit just that scene. And so I was like, huh, people when, like when? the bullet points. <laughs> oh, dang, I could have started doing this much earlier. These paragraphs have been <laughs> so much work. So uh, the bullet points are much faster and much easier. And so that's gotten me into a rhythm of um, creating the reviews. And yeah, they just kind of, I didn't plan for them to take this form, but they kind of have. And it's working for me and my readers aren't complaining and some of them actually like it. So I think I'll... More than some of them. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) you don't know. You haven't actually asked all of them, have you? (laughs) Speaking of your readers... Um, that's one of the things that we wanted to talk about. Like, we know that your site for your readers, like they really regard it as a safe and comfortable space. And, you know, um, we've known from talking to you that you really have gotten to know your readers and that they, you know, share their, you know, even things about their lives and their experiences. Um, how did you kind of create that space? And have you had to create like rules for moderating the comments to protect that sort of friendly and community environment or has the community like just kind of grown organically and they've just sort of done that on their own? That's mostly organic, I would say, uh, because I don't recall that I've had to actively moderate. I don't get a lot of nasty readers. And if they're nasty comments, usually they're directed at me. So not like at other people. Uh, and usually the nasty comments are not regular readers. They're, you know, they could be like drive-by fans of someone. Like I did have someone who was very offended when I said that I didn't enjoy Yi Boyong very much as an actress. That was before I discovered that she had, you know, grown a lot as an actress. And now I think she's great. But at the time, I hadn't seen the light. And so I I remember saying something in my review of I don't know what, but I mentioned that I didn't, you know, I didn't really enjoy her as an actress. And I think one of her very passionate fans 
felt strongly about that and left some very strongly worded comments about, I don't remember, but probably about my uh, lack of ability to appreciate uh, good acting or maybe my blindness. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, they're generally not nasty to each other. <laughs> do they yeah. get to you comments like that? Like, do you feel like upset by them or are you just like, whatever, say what you want? Um, well, it depends. Sometimes it doesn't really get to me and then sometimes it does. So it depends. Depends on uh, also like how nasty the person is. Uh, de- depends how I was feeling before I actually saw the comment as well. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it just feels like an attack for no reason. And although I have a large body of work that can speak for me, I, I still feel the sting. It's like, oh, you know, like I think last year, was it? Someone talked about how I need to improve my use of the English language because oh, like, I it was... That's so rude. Right, right, right. I uh, yeah, do remember it. Yeah, I, do. I do. How dare Uh-oh. they? I'm getting offended all over again on your behalf. <laughs> well, thank you. But, you know, that, that that actually got to me more than I wanted it to. It took me a while to get over it. And normally I wouldn't tweet these kind of things because it's quite pointless to feed the negative emotion. But at the time, it really was getting to me. And that's why I tweeted it, because I just needed to get it off my chest. Because I think the language used was pretty strong, something to the effect of... Like she was banging her head against the wall or something to effect of like, like I was drilling nails into her head or something. Oh it was my pretty God. strongly worded um, because... And go away, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> no one's holding you down. Get out. <laughs> Sorry. So, that just makes me really angry. So I was, I, was, I was quite taken aback by it. I was quite shocked by the strong language. And uh, yeah. But I mean, I did feel better... It didn't sort of haunt me and it's not haunting me anymore, but it does, you know, it, it can get to me. Uh, I try not to let it, though, because these comments are few and far between and I have way more, you know, uh, understanding, supportive and very lovely readers than the occasional uh, unpleasant drive-by who clearly isn't a member of the community. Like, they just you know, Googled something, found me, left a comment and probably don't even think about it and go go on their day, right? So I shouldn't let that sort of ruin my day because clearly it's not ruining theirs. Yeah, so, but, you know, those are just so clear. It doesn't happen like all the time. So it's not that bad. But it means you've made it when you have haters. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Barma told me. <laughs> Not that you needed that validation, but... That is one way of looking at it. Thank you. It does appear to me that it's when you start getting random people coming into your space and telling you that you're no good at this. That's when you know that you're reaching enough people that random people are finding you. So, yeah, definitely. There's a hill that you've basically gone over and now people know you and it's a scary space. (laughs) Which in K-Fangirl's case, you have 7 million views on your site. (laughs) That is not a small number. (laughs) That's amazing. amazing. (laughs) It did take eight and a half years though, you know. (laughs) It's not like 
It's not like that at the blog, like last month. A million month. a year average is not bad. <laughs> let's put it that way. Yes. And, and let's, let's consider that it must be like a weighted towards the current year's kind of average. So yeah, these are pretty huge numbers. And so over the years, have you figured out that there are certain kind of posts that work better for your readers? And do you do more of them because your readers appreciate them? And as an addendum to that, are there certain types of posts or certain types of shows that you know that your readers won't really want to read much, but you want to write about them, you want to cover them? So in the case of uh, longevity in terms of views, I find that it's the reviews of popular dramas that have the most longevity. So uh, for example, Something in the Rain came out several years ago, right? 2017, I think it was. I think, Something in the Rain. Yeah, or maybe 2018. One of those. Yeah. Either 2017 yeah, or 2018, because then a year later, One Spring Night came out. Yeah. So anyway, I wrote this review for Something in the Rain. And so interestingly enough, uh, even though I didn't like Something in the Rain very much, the review has been doing really consistently. Like it's among my top 10 views per day every wow. day until now 2021 yeah i mean we've been pretty vocal about our dislike for that show it's also known as pretty nona who buys me food but right, i find right. that like it tends to be really polarizing like people either hate it or they really really like it yeah i'm not one of those who love it so i think uh i get the two extremes because i think when you google something in the rain review my review comes up somewhere near the top so that's why I get random people who find the review. So there will be those who'll be like, oh, I felt exactly the same way. I didn't like this show. Thank you for actually laying it out in a way that I can process it, you know, and um, so that I get that. But then on the other end, I have people who will be like, wow, I completely disagree with you. You know, I love that show and I've watched it like three times. So, I mean, but I think it's, because it's a popular show and they actually Googled the show's review that I get mm. these hits. And so the review has been among my top 10 or top 15 viewed posts every day, pretty much for, you know, the couple of years since the show has aired. It I mean, was April 18th review, that it started. I mean, since I wrote the review, I didn't write the review like immediately after the show finished airing. It took me a while to finish it, but um yeah, so I think that in terms of longevity for the the blog views, it's the reviews of popular dramas. But in terms of engagement with the readers, it's the Dear K. Fangirl posts that are very popular because that's where they can congregate um, and that's where they can exchange experiences and recommendations. So, for example, if I write a review for one show, some readers won't be able to engage on that review because they haven't seen the show, you know. But when it comes to a Dear Care Fangle post, everyone can just kind of hang out and, you know, depending on the topic, they can like add to it or exchange uh, thoughts on it. And um, they, they really seem to uh, enjoy that. And so that's why I would like to do more of the Dear Care Fangle post. I honestly never thought it would be a thing. So <laughs> it's my favorite you know, it's, thing now. <laughs> oh, really? Thank you. But, you know, it just I never thought it would be a thing. It's, the, the way the blog has evolved over time has 
a lot of it has to do with reader suggestions and reader requests. So at the time it was, I don't remember which year it was, but uh, one of my regular readers who now isn't able to engage anymore, I think. I don't really see her online. But she actually reached out to me. At the time, she was relatively new to the fandom. And she said, you know, have you ever considered doing like an agony aunt sort of a thing? Because I have questions and I don't know who to ask. It would be amazing if I could ask you. And I was like, all right, sure, you can ask me. But I was like, I don't think it would go beyond this question. Or maybe if she has two questions, I don't think it would go beyond two questions. So I just answered her question and just said at the end of the post, like, if anybody has other questions, feel free, you know, let me know. And then I'll see what I can do. And what do you know? People have questions and I'm still answering them. <laughs> I mean, like I, I, I did, there was a break, I think, uh, maybe around 2019. I don't really think I did a lot of Dear Care Fangle posts, but, um, I think that someone asked a question at the beginning of 2020 that seemed relevant. It was like, how do I manage my drama obsession? And I was like, well, that's great for beginning of the year. You know, like some people want to make it a New Year's resolution, like be more mm, intentional about how you manage your drama obsession. So I answered that question and then more questions came in and more and more and more. (laughs) I think a lot of it had to do with the pandemic as well because there were like, a lot of new fans mm. and who were um, who had questions and who were also looking for ways to navigate the entire uh, K drama space and wanted to know like oh what kind of shows have you know great OTPs and I was like oh okay yeah I can do a post on that once I did that <clears throat> other people would be like now that you've told us the top ones, tell us what are the worst ones. And I was like, no, do you you really want to know? I didn't want to like upset people, but everyone said, do it, do it. We want to know. And so I did it. (laughs) And, and yeah, so it's been fun because I enjoy seeing everyone sort of having a good time in the comment section and pitching in and sharing and getting to know one another. It's, it's, um, that's actually how I get to know who they are because they start telling one another about themselves like where they live or how many kids they have or whether they're retired or you know why they have time for dramas um and yeah so that that conversational space is really cool um and so these are the two that i think are the two types of dramas that are popular um what i've started relatively recently is the short format drama things like drama specials web dramas oh you've introduced me to a lot now (laughs) they used to go under my radar before exactly it goes under a lot of people's radar and it used to go a lot under my radar as well but I did have people asking me you know like do you have short things that you can recommend some people say it's because they don't have time you know but I I want a drama fix but I you know don't have time for a full drama do you have something to recommend and then I realized that other people also kind of like to switch things up a bit. They want to have a short thing in between long things, or they want to watch a long thing, but have a short thing before <laughs> bed. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I can do that, you know. And so I've been paying more attention to checking out short things and putting out really quick reviews. I mean, like, how much can you write, right, for a drama special? Um, yeah, but, uh, but you you find ways. And see, this is what I love about your stuff. I never go into a post and, like, 
when I'm reading it, I always come out with something that I had not thought of. I, it might be like the flippiest like the most popcorn drama of all times, I'll go in and read your post and it will have something substantial that I had not thought of and you had and you put it in there. So I am just in awe. And here's the thing, you can't get away without answering some like polarizing questions um, in this podcast. And we're going to start with what your favorite drama tropes are and also, which which tropes drive you nuts? Yeah, we will, we want to know those top and bottom answers too. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> I think my favorite one is contract marriages because of Goon. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I just like a soft spot for the contract marriage because it's kind of like the idea that two strangers who don't actually like each other on site the more they get to know each other, the more they find to appreciate. I really like that idea. I mean, it's the opposite idea of like the um, common wisdom that, you know, marriage kills romance. Yeah. So this is like that thinking flipped on its head saying that marriage is the start of romance. So um, I really like that. And the worst and the worst? The worst. I hate CPR kisses. What what a CP Oh yeah, no, I agree no. with you. That is <laughs> That's not romantic. <laughs> yeah. I know, but every I know, not every, but and so it's not many kissing. Yeah, sorry. I know, but every drama that features like yeah. CPR will start playing the romantic music, you know, like yeah. about them falling in love when he's trying to revive her, you know, or she's trying to revive him. I don't know. But you know, like Yeah. Also, Pet peeve when they when they use it for a comedic effect, like there is a man and a man, and they are gonna do that oh. whole I don't want to kiss a man thing. Whereas <laughs> you're you're saving this guy's life. It's Just kiss be human. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That's true, that's true. That's true. I wasn't thinking of that specifically, but that's true. Mm-hmm. Sort of in view of that, what's your favorite genre? Oh, I find myself gravitating towards slice of life, rom-com, and melodramas. But I think that's mainly because those are the ones that bring out the emotional journey a lot more, with a lot more nuance than maybe a mystery drama might. I mean, I feel like nowadays I'm pretty game to check I out stuff. I beg to differ, but carry on. Yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm the thriller junkie here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. But um, I'm, I was just saying that I think nowadays I'm more open to checking out other genres. I mean, I finished Sweet Home. <gasps> Wow. Right? Wow. So, like, that was a huge step for me. But, like, I checked it out because people said it was really good and that there's a lot of psychological stuff to unpack. And uh, it was more enjoyable than I expected it to. But, like, when it comes to, like, naturally gravitating towards a genre, that's I would not naturally gravitate towards mm. Sweet Home. You know, but I would naturally be more interested to know, like, oh, there's a slice of life coming out, a rom-com, a melodrama. What's that about? You know, that might be, you know, worth my time. So, yeah. So I know this is a really hard question, but what are your top three dramas of all time if you had to choose? Mm. Okay, so if it's K-dramas, Gila, well, they're (laughs) not in, like... Order, uh, that's fine. Order, but I think Gila's an all-time favorite of mine. Uh, Reply, 1988. I know Saya's like, what? <laughs> is that the one with Henny? Yes, it is. Yeah, Saya is very like, what? Exactly, I knew it. But <laughs> I mean, it's not because of Henny that it's my favorite. That's also Pakbogum there, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. All right, I'll give you that. 
you know, but the reason it's one of my top is because of the community feels. It's so good, so warm. So really like that. And my mister, because it's just amazing. Yeah. If we're looking at Chinese dramas, Chinese dramas, Navalny and Fire, um, Ten Miles of Peach Blossoms. Oh, yay! The, yes! The first Woo-hoo. half of my life. Oh, that's one I haven't heard of. It's really, really good. Um, the, the reason I heard of it to begin with was because I was talking about Chinese dramas with my Chinese hairdresser, and he had just gone back to China, and he came back and said, everyone's watching this, you have to watch it. Ah, oh, I love how you're giving us like recommendations too. <laughs> so yeah, I did. And uh, it's really good. It's very elegantly written. It's set in Shanghai. It's about this lady who was um, living uh, what she felt was quite a perfect life. She was a housewife taking care of her seven-year-old or six-year-old son full-time. Her husband was successful at work. And then the husband says, I have another woman. I need a divorce. And then she starts to rebuild her life. And so her discovering her mojo and like finding her own strength and finding a new identity for herself, like blossoming into that new identity, that's the arc. And it's Mm. great. I love it. It's so elegantly done, honestly. I wish more people would talk about it. And since I have a captive audience right now, I thought I would plug it a little bit. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, sorry. Worst drama of all time. Worst was drama it? of all time. Yeah. Dream High Two. Makes <laughs> <laughs> sense. Makes sense. I was kind of expecting that to be honest. <laughs> okay, so but for Chinese dramas, this might be controversial for some, but well intended love. That's not controversial. We, I don't think any of some us would find that controversial. It. One or two. One. I didn't watch two. Two would, two would totally be the worst. <laughs> two is my worst. Did I get the right show? Isn't this the one where he pretends that she's dying? Yeah, that's that's the one. That's the super two thousands regressive Mark Jung one. That's that's the one. Yeah, I hate I hated it. <laughs> it does sound like the worst. It, it, yeah. it does sound like. I have complained about it on the podcast, guys. You know about this yeah. one. Yeah, I remember. Yes, I remember yes. this. Yeah, now. he commits fraud in order to trick her into believing that she's dying and that he's her only hope because she needs a transplant from him because he's the only match. And he uses that to make her agree to a contract marriage with him, like marry me in exchange for this transplant that she's not even getting. Like they knock her out and he gives her like vitamin IV drips. And she, when she wakes up, when she wakes up, they tell her that you've had the transplant and like along the way, you know, they fall in love while he's being super possessive and controlling. Like he literally locks her up with bodyguards at one point because she wants to leave. And yeah, I just could not, I could not, could not find a way to enjoy it. I, I remember your review on this. <laughs> <laughs> but the, see, I say it's controversial because this show has a lot of fans. So they might wow. come after me. No, after no, they this. won't. They won't. They won't come after you. We have talked about this unendingly, worrying about the fans, but it, it's okay. I don't think they'll come after us. But <laughs> okay. So, who are your favorite actors, male and female? And also, do you have like a dream casting that hasn't happened, but you really, really wanted to? I haven't put thought into the dream casting, honestly. But I do have favorite actors and actresses. So right now, I'm all about Chang Hyuk. In case you didn't realize, I've been watching Trudeau <laughs> and Money Flower. I noticed. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> no, but he's so good. He is so good. Um, yeah. What's I, funny is the last time we asked you this, you had a totally different answer. See, I told you I was fickle. 
<laughs> it was Gong Yu in case uh, listeners. Oh yeah, uh, no, he's 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 a you he's don't an even remember. Favorite, he's an evergreen favorite. <laughs> but he's never he hasn't done anything for a long time. That's that's, that's true. true. I mean, right. the whole the whole coffee prince revisiting thing doesn't count. <laughs> true, true. That was just a that was just like a flash in the pan. Special. It's yeah. a small sip of water for a gongyu thirsting hearts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I also really like Chung Kyung Ho. He's so good. Um, and Ji Sung, so good. And Lee Sung Kyun. Um, Anyone else in f- female actors? Kim Ki-ye, I think she's great. Uh, Shin Hye-son. Yes, yes, of course. Shin Hye-son. Of course. She's amazing. Queen. Like, honestly, yeah. I didn't know she had it in her to be amazing. Like when, when we first saw her as like, you know, in smaller roles, I mean, I thought she was good, but I just didn't know she had the capacity to be so multifaceted and you know be able to pull off so many characters yeah i'm very impressed yeah, yeah. she's amazing i also really like chase Bin. she's so warm there's something really warm and charming about her yeah. i really like her yeah i love her she's one of my favorites as well <laughs> okay she, she'll get me to watch anything she's in anything and occasionally the drama itself might not live up to it but i'll really try liking it because she's in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you know, sometimes, like, the whole um, dream pairing question, uh, like, I'll come up with an answer and I'll realize it already happened. Like, I'm like, oh, I would love to see Chase Win and Yusunga together. And you're like, hold on. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So what you mean is you want to see them together again? Again, yeah, <laughs> yeah. again. I would watch them again. I would. I would. They were so cute together and I'm not a robot. They were so good. Okay, so, I mean, I think we've sort of rounded everything down to our very final question which is is there anything you're currently watching that you would like more people to get to can i say two shows i mean you know that of i watch course. a lot of shows right now it's your floor so, yeah oh thank you so first one is she would never know i am loving it loving it so much and it's so underrated because no one's talking about it is that the one the anisa and i hated yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You hated it? Oh, no. I just had a really strong reaction, yeah, to the first two episodes and like how controlling ah. and aggressive he is with her. And I just couldn't right. continue. Okay. But all right. So to provide a bit of non-spoilery context, it it gets fixed. Okay. So the reason that I was okay with what happens in the first two episodes is because where they cut it off, the show hasn't actually showed her reaction to his action. So at that point, I was okay to carry on because the show hadn't made a judgment yet because the show's not saying this is romantic and she's okay with it. The show is just saying this happened. And so when I went on to watch the next episode, it actually, you know, he gets put in his place and uh, obviously the show is saying this is not okay. So that gets fixed. And what I really, really enjoy about the show is that um, – the writer clearly understands people very well. So like the way that people, like the way the characters are allowed to be people is really nice. It's like, I can actually see why she would react a certain way, why he would react a certain way and how they arrive at decisions. Um, It just feels like I can follow their train of thought or, you know, why they would um, show up in a certain manner later on in certain scenes. And so the way that this is teased out, I think it's really nice. I feel like the writer has spent a lot of time thinking about how what makes people tick and observing what make you know 
what people are like. So really, really enjoy it. And it's a very sweet uh, romance. You know, it's not high concept, but it's very enjoyable. And I never thought I would say this because I found Rowun completely underwhelming and extraordinary you. I felt like all he was called upon to do was just stand there. Being broody. And yeah, just look pretty. And I was, yeah. I, was com- I was completely unimpressed. But I actually like him a lot in this. I actually think that he's doing really well. And I actually think he's quite swoony in, in spots even. So yeah. You've convinced me to give it another try, actually, I have to I admit. Really, really, I was really edging like on it. that because people have been telling me that it gets better. But yeah, I think I'm convinced too. To retry it now. gets better. I mean, like I had heard that people are really upset at the beginning, and I was like, "Huh, you know, this is the kind of thing that makes me curious because I'll be like, I wonder how I'll feel when I get there." And when I got there, I was like, "This is too early to be upset. Like they haven't actually made a judgment yet. The show hasn't condoned it yet, you know." So, yeah, and he learns his lesson well, and then applies that learning nicely as well so okay please, good to know. please good give to know. it another shot please oh. please give it another shot i will and what's the second show okay the, the second show is a taiwanese show i'm only in the early episodes but it's such a breath of fresh air it's called a thousand good nights and it's like a virtual tour of taiwan you know like in this day and age when you can't travel anywhere you know it's like taking a tour of Taiwan and realizing like, wow, I never knew Taiwan could be this beautiful. You know, they have this, you can tell that they put a lot of effort into filming Taiwan and bringing out the beauty of Taiwan. And there is a story that takes you from episode to episode, but uh, I wouldn't want to spoil it for you if you're going to like check it out. But it's uh, the vehicle of this person's journey is actually taking this trip. And so it's kind of like, it's not really like a mockumentary, but you see so much of Taiwan that you almost feel like you're watching a travel documentary, but it's dramatized and there's a story. Wow. I like this. Amazing. Sometimes you need a break from dramas and I think I'm reaching that point right now where there are a ton of great dramas airing and I can't make myself watch what I am actually enjoying. So at times like these, I, I need something... Uh, in the Asian drama sphere, but slightly different. So this this actually fits really well. Give it a look. It's on Netflix. Absolutely. Great. And that's a perfect note to wrap up on, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, K-Fan Girl, for joining us. It's been an amazing chat. And we could do this for another six hours if we didn't have anywhere to go, like, <laughs> bed and work and, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I mean, it's always such a pleasure to chat with you guys. And uh, honestly, you're right. We could just keep going on. I don't even feel like it's late at night over here, which is dangerous, you know. (laughs) Very dangerous. (laughs) But I mean, at this point, the reckless side of me is like, you're having fun. Just keep going. You know. (laughs) We've been looking forward to this recording this call for so long. This has been such an honor to have you, K-Fangirl. You are a guest that we really, really badly wanted. And thank you. Thank you. So where can our listeners find you if they don't already know where to find you on um, social media? Oh, so on Twitter, I'm at K-Fangirl with a U, as you know. Uh, Instagram, I'm at The Fangirl Verdict. And on Facebook, also The Fangirl Verdict. 
And you can read her delightful blog at thefangirlverdict.com. There too, yes. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) And as for the rest of us, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Dramas Overflow, or you can find us individually. And I live at NotNowSire. And I'm at Anissa Khalifa underscore. And I, Parma, will be found at Festa Pasta. And you can find the podcast on Instagram at dramasoverflowers underscore. And you can email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Look up Dramas Over Flowers. And our website is dramasoverflowers.net. Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye.